and welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio in Parsons, Kansas. I am your host, Sean Fry, and we have one of our favorite longtime guests, the first ever guest on The War Room. He's back again. We can't get enough of him, or as most people in Parsons would say, we've had enough of him. Parsons High School Athletic Director Rob Barkis, welcome back to The War Room. How are we doing today, Rob? Thank you. Very good. Chiefs won. I'm happy. We're all happy, aren't yep. we? Back, back to 500. Let's start right away with a topic that maybe people wouldn't think we start with right away coming on a Monday show uh, after a fr- football Friday night. And let's talk about volleyball. Let's talk about the Parsons volleyball team right now. They have nine wins on the year. They've already matched last season's total. Last year, their nine wins were eight more than they had the year prior. I want to talk about the Parsons volleyball team a little bit because I watched them play at Altamont uh, in a league in a league try that Labette County hosted Fort Scott and Parsons. And when I tweeted, when I got there, I was really hyped for that, for that try because Labette County and Fort Scott were undefeated in league play. And then Parsons was in third place. So I called it the capital of Southeast Kansas volleyball that night and talking to Heather Wilson, the Labette County head coach after the match, she and I kind of made almost the same exact observation. She goes, one of the reasons tonight was so competitive and so big was that Parsons was here. Parsons, but at the same time, Parsons lost both those matches. They took Fort Scott to three sets, and then they were up 22-21 on the set in Labette County, but at the end of the day, play five sets, lost both matches. But it, it feels different right now at Parsons this year with the volleyball program, and in, in part, that speaks to the side of girls' athletics as a whole. The, the gap between Parsons and the field is not, they're not competitive. That They're so far behind a lot of the field. Really, the gap, the frustration with some of, if you're frustrated at all with Parsons volleyball and they have like a nine and fourteen record, something like that, right now, the frustration is they didn't win. That's got to be a different dynamic, and I'm curious, maybe what you've noticed on that side of the aisle, the the girls' athletic side of the aisle. We've talked about this a lot on this show. What you've noticed that's changed early in this fall? Uh, well, coming into the situation two years ago, uh, if you'd have told us we'd have taken Fort Scott to three. And we would have been with Fort uh, LC up 22-21 with a chance to win a set. That would have been great. That would have exceeded expectations. But our expectations are a little higher now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking to win those games now. We're not looking to just uh, be competitive and and at the end of the day go, oh, we were in the game with a chance to win. And we want to win those games. So uh, losing those games hurts a little more this year because – uh, when we play our best, I've watched volleyball. When we play our best, we can play with anyone in the league. I'm not sure about the state. I haven't seen a lot of state volleyball. Mm-hmm. But in the league, uh, when we're playing our best, we can play with anybody. I believe. I, I truly believe that the the one-two punch of Brianna Patterson as a setter and Anaya Hemman as a primary outside pin hitter, you, you're not going to find the only combination better in the league right now is Shelby Wilson and Anna Dean at Labette County. And that shows they're undefeated in league play. They're 24 and three, but I mean, you get, I mean, they're not that far behind them. They're a great, what I think Labette Parsons volleyball needs to do at this point, they really need to build depth around it. And you're seeing that you're seeing Carly Spriggs develop. You're seeing Sailor Ray develop and you're seeing the talent behind what is a very hyped up sophomore class that includes Anaya Hemman when we get to basketball season, and she's in tennis right now, includes Sydney Scheibe and others, you, you're seeing a, a talented freshman class behind them. Do you see the depth coming in on the girls' side to, to really kind of put a, you know, put a bow on this rebuild? Yeah, I think uh, 
next year is going to really be the year we look to challenge for a league title. Mm-hmm. I think this year, uh, you know, outside, you know, just looking into the season, we were hoping to be able to challenge for a league title. But the way we've played, I think we're more than capable of it. And I think next year, uh, if that's not our goal, then uh, we need to reevaluate our goals because I think we have a chance to win league next year. How important will has Coach Continuity been over this time frame? Uh, you know, Brooks and her Brooke Hoppers in her third year. You look on the girls' basketball side. Uh, Pat Shibe, I believe, is going into his third season. Uh, has that? How much has that continuity helped? Oh, I think it just helps with the girls know uh, who their coach is going to be. Uh, expectations are set by those coaches, and once those expectations are set, players know they need to meet those expectations. So. I think continuity is a big part of our success. And I don't want to leave out the other girls' sport. Let's let's put a modifier out there. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon right after the Chiefs won a game. The league girls, the tennis tournament for the SEK League is on Monday morning at 10 a.m. This show comes out around 8 or 9 a.m. online and comes out at 7.30 in the morning on the radio. So about two and a half to three hours after the show comes out, we're already going to be speaking out of date to a degree. But the girls' tennis side right now, they've been a very competitive team. I mean, they're getting first, second, third in most of their tournaments under second-year head coach Tyler Beerbort. Jane Posh is still the assistant there. She still has her her imprint on that program, which I know is very valuable for that side. You've got Sydney Scheibe looking good at one singles. You've got Ellie Valentine Florence, really interesting freshman you got there right now. I watched her play basketball a little bit over the summer. She looks like a very capable point guard. Uh, and obvious, obviously the doubles duo of Jaden Schultz and Lauren Ferris They've got a real opportunity, I think, to make a deep run. How much, What's been kind of the reaction to how girls' tennis has done so far this fall, Rob? Well, uh, Jaden and Lawrence start off a little slow, but uh, they've really picked it up, and they've they finished strong their last three or four tournaments. I think they're going into Monday uh, looking to win to win the league. I don't I don't think they're going to be happy with uh, second place. I think they're looking to win it. I think Sydney Shabby also had a slow start, but I think she's uh she's she looking to really play well at Pittsburgh last week. That was that looked like the best she played, honestly. Yeah, she's she's uh, peaking at the right time. You know, you always want to peak at the right time, and this is the right time for tennis to be peaking. Uh, and Ellie, uh, she was a little unknown coming into the year, but uh, she's just a phenomenal. Never played the sport before she picked it up this yeah, year. She's to- just a phenomenal athlete as a freshman, and uh, she's just going to continue to get better. I think. Uh, she may surprise some people at number two singles tomorrow. I'm curious, you know, looking at an athlete like Ellie and looking at an athlete like uh, Anaya Hinman and any other athlete that comes up, they're young, and they they sh- they show out maybe a little early and high expectations get thrust onto them early and often. From an internal standpoint in the athletic department amongst your coaches and yourself as the athletic director, how do you manage that? Because you've got myself, you've got Sean Fry at the Parson Sun writing about how or tweeting about how hyped Anaya Hinman is, or how hyped Ellie Valentine is, or or any of these marquee players. It was Derek Williams and Daquan Johnson before them, and it, it, it was Devontae Yates before those guys. How do you kind of manage those expectations? Because, you know, they're all high school kids. High school kids are going to see one of their friends or one of their classmates' names in the paper, and they're going to get jealous, or they're going to feel left out. Or the girl, or, or the girl, or the athlete themselves is going to feel that pressure what are strategies you maybe look to to manage that? I think what has helped Parsons is the teammates those kids have had. Uh, those teammates are, for the most part, have been pretty unselfish and don't mind the press that some of those other players get. You know, 
Uh, sometimes that may bother a kid that their teammates constantly getting hyped up and they're not getting hyped up, but uh, our school seems to handle that well. Uh, I think also the coaching staff, I think they handle those those mm-hmm. expectations well. Uh, they remind those kids, yes, they have high expectations, but they also remind them of their age and where they're actually at. You know, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of Anaya and even Derek and Daquan, uh, it would have been it would have been nice for those people to get some freshman or some JV action where uh, they can play without a lot of pressure. Derek, uh, Dere- they didn't need JV. No, <laughs> but they but they are uh, you know they're being they're being um, built under fire. So mm-hmm. I think that just bodes well for us in the future. It's a uh, it's got to be a fine line to walk to, and I think we you know getting the best players out there, even if they are freshmen over some seniors versus, okay, let's, let's get them confidence at the JV level. And, you know, how do you walk that line? I, I think coaches have to look at that. Uh, I think last year, uh, coach Hopper could have looked at a varsity season and, and maybe went three for 17, but uh, she brought an eye up. If an eye would have played a JV or freshman, they probably would have, would have been undefeated at that level. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's just kind of, it's how coaches want to, uh, you know, play that player or that particular player. And I think our coaches are doing a good job of it right now. And Naya seems to have a, she, she has an infectious personality. She see, like, she seems to have the type of personality that can endure and embrace the expectations that are being put upon her. Uh, she seems to be, you know, outgoing, uh, you know, she has a she has a loud personality at times, and that's not a bad thing. I think some people, you know, I, I'm not one of those people that says, "Oh, you need to be quiet and humble, and you know, you know, say grace after you score a touchdown or something like that." Like celebrate a little bit. She has that fire in her. What what I've what I've admired about her is um, she doesn't seem to get too high or too low. I mean, she she makes mistakes. She handles it with the same way she handles success. Uh, and I like that in a player. I like just the consistent, we don't get too high, we don't get too low. Uh, we just try to do our job every play. Mm-hmm. We got to go to a break, but I want to share with you a quote. You don't have to respond, but I want to share with you a quote that, to me, makes me the believer in the upward tra- trajectory of Parsons Girls Athletics. And that is a quote Heather Wilson gave to me post-game on Tuesday. Uh, we were talking about their matches, and she just kind of went off on her own tandem a little bit off a question I asked. And she goes, Parsons is the best coach team in the league, and they are the next up-and-coming best team. And that's coming from Heather Wilson, a team that's coaching. She's coaching a 24-3 and squad right now, a team that's looking really good and undefeated in the league. And obviously, you know, she has a prior relationship with Brooke Hopper. Brooke Hopper went to Labette County High School and, you know, played under Heather. But, you know, that's... There's people in the league that see what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I tried not to hold it against Brooke too bad that she went to Labette County. <laughs> uh, she can't help where she had to go to school. Uh, but, no, she's doing a good job. Uh, you talk to people outside of the program, uh, that's what everybody says. Every 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 other AD I talk to, casual fan, parent, they just say uh, Parsons is training in the right way, right way right now. Absolutely. Let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little about how well the football team's been doing. Honestly, I feel like you guys have been having a good fall, really. Yeah, very good. Uh, we'll talk about that more about that fall when we come back from break here on the War Room on KLKC. Do you, on KLKC. Don't go anywhere. 
And we're back here on the War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, John Fry, joined by Parsons High School Athletic Director Rob Barkus, a fan unfavorite on the on the show here. Uh, Rob, we've been talking about the fall that you guys have had. Uh, volleyball looking good. Tennis, they never miss a beat, man. They, that tennis program has been one of the most consistent over 20, 30 years. You're not going to miss a beat with them. Uh, but... Let's talk about Parsons Vikings football a little bit. They're three and two right now. They've already matched last, just like the volleyball team. They've already matched last year's win total at three and two. Coming off a win over a Baxter Springs team that is in the midst of a massive reconstruction of their program. But obviously, you look at how Parsons played against Galena. I think anybody who knows football can recognize that Parsons, this is kind of a similar conversation we had about the girls' side of the program on volleyball is that the frustration against Galena was not that you were not competitive against them. The frustration was that you didn't win that game. And probably more so than a lot of the volleyball matches, Parsons should have won that game against Galena. And that speaks to the progress that this Parsons football program has made in just two years under Jeff Scheibe. What are some of the biggest signs of progress you've seen? Uh, my uh, my biggest uh, thing of improvement I've seen from our football team is our defense is running around chasing the ball, and they are hitting people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Galena game was one of the hardest-hitting uh, high school games I've seen in a long time. Uh, we forced four turnovers. We had the ball inside the five twice, inside the 22 other times, and and we lose on a, you know, on the, the final play of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Jeff's a young coach, but I know uh, when I coach, that's going to be one that uh, he's going to relive for quite a few years. years. Now, yeah. Oh, yeah, quite a few years. It'll... Uh, he'll remember that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked about this with Scott Marlowe last week. Uh, the fact that, you know, the last time he said he, in his radio interview, and I basically agree with him, the last time he remembers a coach that distraught after a loss was Anthony Houck after a loss to Piper at the state tournament. And we all know the stakes of what that Piper game meant for Parsons. You guys win that game. There's a very good chance you guys play for, if not win, the state title that year. A lot The the, the consensus coming out of that, state, that 4A state tournament in Salina was the Parsons-Piper first-round game was the state championship. For Jeff Scheibe to be upset, that was week four. <laughs> that was week four, and, and that's what he's feeling. How has this guy gotten this invested into it? Obviously, he's a Parsons native, but... You know, what does it mean to you? What's your reaction to see a coach just really that upset, honestly? Uh, that's just a guy that's bought in. Uh, like you said, he's a Parsons kid. He's uh, Parsons raised, mm-hmm. uh, went to school in Parsons, played quarterback for Parsons. Uh, if you had to pick a uh, all-around Parsons persons, it, it, it'd be Jeff Scheibe. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that game hurt not, not only because they beat Galena everywhere but the scoreboard, but he realizes that that's a chance to win the district. I mean, we yeah. could have been very well been you district champs. Yeah. We need help now, but we could have been in the driver's seat for the district championship. And uh, uh, we talked a little earlier off the air about the other district. Uh, you really don't want to be anything but one in our district when you look at oh when you look at the other districts. Third place might be Prairie View, just to give people an idea. The other district includes Frontenac, Ger- that the Parsons district. So I believe Parsons district is District 1, and the other district right. is District 2. District 1 is Parsons, in no order, we're not going by District Sandys, but Parsons, uh, Columbus, Galena, Caney Valley, those are probably the four teams that are going to make the playoffs. 
Um, and then the other two are going to be Cherryville and Baxter Springs. Uh, on the other side, District 2, these two teams, those two districts match in the first two rounds of the postseason. Uh, the other district is, in, again, in no order, Frontenac, Gerard, who just beat a ranked Prairie View team. Thir- you said what? The score is 35 to 18? 38-15. 38-15. Uh, so you've got Frontenac, Gerard, Prairie View in there. Uh, who's the other one? I know Burlington. I think Burlington, Anderson, who beat Anderson, us last year. Anderson County, who beat you guys last year. Yeah. And I believe Iola is the other team maybe yes, in that sir. district. Yeah. That is not a fun one. And you talk about a district that includes Columbus and Galena and Caney Valley. That's a loaded 3A district that went 0-4 in the postseason last year. And there's a high likelihood it's going to be 1-3 or 0-4 again. You, you have got to at least get a top two in this district. Parsons has an opportunity to go, oh, and go. I think, a top two finish in this district, and that is a mile ahead of where they were last year, where they had to play Cherryville just to get in. Talking with Scott Marlowe, talking with others in this community, over years, the line has been the biggest question mark facing Parsons. How? What have you seen Jeff do to make those improvements over the summer? Uh, he just made his offense and defensive line a priority. I think he recognized last year. Uh, we were a lot of third and shorts and couldn't run the ball. We had to rely on the pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also couldn't stop the run very well. So uh, I think just he made those those positions are prior to over the summer. Uh, everything they did was designed to make their O-line and D-line better. And, uh, you know, you've watched enough football when your D-line is eating up blocks. That frees your linebackers to make plays. Uh, and, and when you're back up, yeah. get four or five instead of one to two. Yep. And when your O-line is... is you know, blocking downfield and driving someone five to seven yards down the field, that just helps your running game. So I think he just made that a priority in the offseason, and and it shows. And and admittedly, you know, I don't know enough about football to know how you make that a priority and how you fix it. All I know is coaches that have been here in the eight years that I've been here hadn't, and it seems like Jeff finally found an answer. You got Caney Valley coming up, and like I said, Parsons' expectations have shifted uh, for for this football program, based on how they played, they've earned some higher expectations than they came into the preseason with. How has that changed uh, j- just the hallways in the school and the and the, and the energy around the program? Uh, just same with girls' athletics, same with volleyball having success and football having success. Uh, it just makes the school a happier place. Uh, when when teams are successful, uh, your hallways are happier, uh, players are happier, mm-hmm. coaches are happier, and your coaches are often teachers, so uh, it just improves the dynamic of a whole building. Uh, we got about uh, four, 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 three, four minutes here left. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and then I'll ask you a question that you'll enjoy, but the last question of substance I have for you <laughs> is, uh, Keisha came out with some new classifications. Uh, they adjusted how many teams are in each class, primarily because of the introduction of six-man football. I know six-man football is not going to affect Parsons right now, uh, Chautauqua will be the closest team that you guys have that will play six man football. But, uh, you know, it's going to go from six team to five team districts, uh, in football. Obviously Parsons is still comfortably foray in all other sports. What was maybe your reaction to just some of the classification, some of the district changes that you saw when that came out about a week or two ago? Uh, my biggest concern with the district reclassification was scheduling. Uh, I know with Cherryville and Caney Valley, both, uh, being in 2A, uh, they're probably not going to want to play a 3A school, and, and I can't yeah. say that I blame them for that. So, And then also uh, the Frontier League and the CNC 
uh, that week one where I could have maybe picked up one of those teams, uh, they went ahead and played the league team. So mm-hmm. uh, right now, scheduling is the biggest headache that I have with that. Fun fact, Parsons is going to be the biggest 3A school in the state next year. Yes, we are. Do you feel Do you feel like that adds any sort of expectations to you guys? Uh, no. I mean, I think uh, once season starts, no one's going to know. No one's going to care who the biggest 3A school is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last question I got for you, give everybody a Tanner Barkus update. Uh, he is, you know, the former Shrine Bowl <laughs> receiver for the Parsons Vikings. Uh, he has, uh, I know he's at KU now. Uh, that's about it. That's all I know about him. Uh, you know, the, the the people want to know, Rob, what every <laughs> single Barkus in the clan is doing. Uh, you have a, j- Just take me through. You have a son in college now who obviously had a very... A uh, fun Shrine Bowl experience. What what's that been like to have a son in college now? What's he doing? Okay, I, I'd love to talk about that, but but before I do, I would like to recognize uh, Cameron B- Blair, uh, sixth yes. place in league golf. Uh, Kenzie Baldwin uh, has a great chance to go to state. She ran at oh, Rimrock. Kenzie Baldwin will be got thirty sixth out of I don't know how many people at Rimrock. At Rimrock. I- 36 at Rimrock is meddling at state. I hope yeah. everybody knows that. No yeah. question. So we were talking about girls athletics a little bit earlier, and we, we failed to mention those two, and I definitely want to give those two uh, uh, their due uh, props. Way to call for, out my failures on my own for, show, uh, Rob. Um, <laughs> you know, Cameron's just been playing consistent all year. She's meddled oh, in all but, I think, one tournament. Mm-hmm. And Kinsey's meddled in. I think every meet she's ran. So, oh, yeah. uh, girls athletics on, uh, you know, those two are another plus to our girls athletics. And they, they've been great. And yeah. it's, it, it's good to see Parsons on both sides of the, on both sides of the gender aisle be competitive again. Yes. And th- there was about a two to three year period where that just wasn't the case. Yeah. And again, outside of tennis, <laughs> which is perpetually competitive, uh, it, it's good to see. Uh, you got a minute. Tell us about uh, what. Give us a Tanner update, real okay, quick. Okay, Tanner's uh, in Lawrence, uh, living with Ethan Wheat. Uh, gave me a couple nights from late night at the Fog the other night. Uh, Run DMC was there. Uh, Rob Riggle was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's loving the college life. Uh, Is he done with athletics? He never got into trying to walk on or being a manager or anything like that. Um, he's he's getting in some intramurals and yeah. uh, he went to a game the other day and he said. Uh, a football the, game? A football game, Oof. which is KU, I know. <laughs> but they were pu- playing Baylor, and um, he did say the speed was not you know, as fast as he thought it would be. I think he thought he would be a little overwhelmed by the speed. Uh, but, you know, in the, I don't know what he's going to do in his future. Right now he's uh, just enjoying being a freshman in college, which, Good for him. which would be a fun time. Absolutely. Uh, Rob, thank you for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you on. You always bail me out. I had a guest cancel this week, and so I, I, I pulled you out after the, we watched the Chiefs game together, and I said, come on my radio show, and you came in without any objection, so I appreciate it. Uh, that'll do it here on The War Room this week. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Rob Barkus, Parsons High School Athletic Director. Thank you for coming on. What do you thank got to you. plug? What's going on this week with Parsons? Whoa, we, got, we have soccer. Uh, we have volleyball. Tennis, as you said. <laughs> I think everything's going everything. on this week. Uh, there's not a sport that's going to be missed this week. So everything's going on. Uh, everybody stay safe. God bless.